A terrifying threat from the past. Kill it now. Sparks a moral dilemma. We can't leave him here. He won't survive. And violent memories collide. It's not a person, damn it. It's a boar. Now, will the crew seek revenge with a daring experiment? Sending him back to destroy the others. Like some sort of walking bomb. Or will it lead them into an enemy trap? And then they're going to come looking for us. And they will destroy us. On Star Trek The Next Generation. Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS series Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard. Today we want to talk about the 23rd episode of Season 5 of Star Trek The Next Generation titled I Borg. As we continue our Discussing Picard series where we've talked about so far Conspiracy, q Samaritan Snare, Best of Both Worlds, Family, the drumhead, and now today we're going to talk about iBorg. And if you want to watch ahead, check out Tapestry and All Good Things. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies. Starting with none other than the Who story and himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Dude, I am doing pretty good. I enjoyed this episode. Can't wait to talk about it. And as always, glad to be here. Awesome sauce. Also on the podcast, we have the Stargate Storian, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Glad to have you back, man. And also, last but certainly not least, we have the Trek Storian, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? I am fantastically well, sir. <laughs> I'm oh. excited to be here on this podcast tonight, and I agree with Cal. A very good episode. Uh, kind of interested in what you guys thought about it. And we want to thank each and every one of you, yeah, I'm talking to you, for your recent ratings and reviews on iTunes. Thank you for spreading the word and, you know, participating by by going in and leaving us a review, five stars, hopefully, on iTunes or um, any of the other platforms. If you want to support the show, please leave us a review on the podcasting platform of your choice. Ratings and reviews help us get discovered, and we thank you for your support. So, guys... What have you all been up to? Anything interesting has happened in the past two weeks? Mm. Uh, one thing that was interesting, you and I and our uh, co-host on Discussing Who, please Shackelford, did a very fun episode of Discussing Comics where we talked about our top five superheroes. And I know that's a shameless plug, but I had a lot of fun doing that. So <laughs> um, that was very fun to do. Oh, man. Well, I always feel in awe and out of place when I'm talking comics with you guys or anybody for that matter. I'm not really a comics person per se, but I did have fun, you know, kind of reviewing the superheroes we liked and why. And I think a lot of us were going to our roots you know, yeah. with, with our uh, opinions of those. So, yes, very fun. And, um, you know, anyone listening, please check it out. All right. Well, Jonathan, man, I, I heard you were, um, you know, uh, doing it up, um, line dancing up there in Nashville, man. How did... <laughs> uh, I don't know about line dancing, sir. <laughs> they hadn't made a line big enough yet. Uh, but yes, I uh, had a small vacation slash conference visit in Nashville with my wife and I and had a good time, man. We got to go to the Grand Ole Opry and we seen, uh, I think, Little Big Town played. Got to see a few sights of Nashville, thinking about moving to Nashville. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. So, in tidbit fact, I saw more than, I would say, at least 10 vehicles with either Klingon insignia or Federation insignia on the back windshield. 
Wow, that is pretty awesome. Yeah. So there's a big Star Trek presence in Nashville. Wow, that is good to hear. I, th- I think I want to move now, so let's just let's go. <laughs> and then also, I seen a, uh, this is pretty cool. It's just com- not Star Trek, but a guy had like this uh, deco sticker on the back of his car, and it was like three stormtroopers <laughs> with guns in their hand, and one stormtrooper that was all red with a briefcase heading out. This what kind of was a play on the old red shirt Star Trek oh, thing. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that is funny. Awesome. And I seen a founder's restaurant. <laughs> Interesting. It's it's weird how you start seeing Star Trek references everywhere you go when you're into Star Trek. You know, you just kind of they just kind of stick out to you. I kind of thought about that. They have a Carvana uh, vending machine, like that little car vending machine. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, that's almost like a shuttle bay. <laughs> it is anyway. funny. What about you, know, you, sir? Oh, man, me? Nothing much. Um, I guess the most fun thing I did over the past few weeks is I attended a Day of the Dead um, parade in, in Dallas. So that was pretty cool. First time what I attended. Uh, it's the Mex. Okay, I'm talking a little out of my tail here, but it's a Mexican celebration of their dead to honor their dead, the Day of the Dead celebration. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was cool attending that for the first time. So that's pretty much what I've been up to. Uh, Jeremy, anything interesting or anything you're watching that you want to plug real quick before we move on to the little bit of news we have? Nothing. I've been doing nothing but working for the past two weeks. So it's just all just watching every uh, more Star Trek, Bob's Burgers and Blacklist. That's kind of in house sitting. That's kind of all I've been doing. Nothing I've heard this Bob's Burger thing pop up a few times in different it's a it's a good show. You you probably won't like it because I like it, but it's a good show. <laughs> yeah, the the funny thing is like adult cartoons usually I am adamantly against. Um I can't even really watch Family Guy, I know. But for some reason I gravitated toward Bojack Horseman on Netflix and I freaking love that show. But other than that, I pretty pretty much stay away from the adult cartoons. It really has to be something for me to enjoy, and I, I just love me some Bob's Burgers. If you if you if you've ever seen it, or you know, or if you haven't seen it yet, give an episode a try. You may like it, you may not. I love it. Yeah, I'll check it out. I mean, honestly, I've heard nothing but good things about it, so I might give it a give it a spin, give it a spin. But in the news and update section, guys, not a whole lot of news except for the fact there was Star Trek uh, Destination Star Trek in uh, Birmingham, UK. That happened this past weekend. Uh, not a whole lot of news or uh, if anything came out of it, really. Um, just the time for Star Trek actors to, you know, do the usual rounds and, um, you know, uh, mingle with the Star Trek fans there in the UK. Um, I tried to search for the news. I couldn't find anything interesting, really, that came out of it. Did you guys hear anything? I haven't heard anything. Oh, oh, oh. actually, because I just saw Jonathan's phone on this. Well, there's two things actually. You can have that one. Her hometown, Jane, Captain Janeway's hometown. Um, what's the name of it? What's, what's the town's name? Oh. Anyway, the cap, the character <laughs> Captain, the character of Captain Janeway's hometown is. Uh, they're trying to do like this support thing of uh, building her, building her a statue, kind of like they have the one of Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk in Nebraska. Yeah, I that's think cool. I saw that. Uh, I guess that's cool. Oh <laughs> uh, well, he was going to steal my thunder by looking at my notes here, but 
<laughs> I just ran across the fact that uh, they have an autobiography of Catherine Janeway releasing March of next year. Yes. And, and at first it threw me for a loop because I've seen two recent autobiographies of um, of um, Kate Mulgrew. But no, this is a biography of uh, Janeway. So, right. yeah. So there's other ones like this in the series. I think there's one for Picard and there's one for Kirk. So how, how is it an autobiography of it's, a fictional character? So it's it's, pre- doesn't exist yet, technically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so I don't I don't think it's now I'm not sure if these are officially licensed by Star Trek or not uh, or by the uh, Star Trek CBS Paramount whatever, but these pretty much give the kind of autobiography view of events we already know about in you know comics or the show proper books it kind of just gives that uh kind of autobiographical account of those events so yeah there's been others i've never read any of them but this one might be one i'll jump in on because i love yeah, Catherine Janeway. <laughs> i do too it'll be interesting nonetheless but you know that's you know that's something that's cool is kind of it's it's sort of meta when they go in and they you know bring something uh, into the real world, like you could actually in the Star Trek universe, go buy a book or download a book or whatever you do in that century of Janeway. It's just sort of kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a, a playful play on, you know, kind of the events we already know. So I think that's cool. Worth checking out. Janeway isn't, she isn't the first character to have a book written by her character. Cause I think Neelix has a cookbook out. Really? An official Star Wars cookbook. That's Star Trek. Star Trek. I'm sorry. Oh, oh how dare you? You're okay. off the podcast. It was, it was, I was going to say, it, it was lovely working with y'all. I'm going to miss this terribly. <laughs> I will accept my fate. <laughs> no, we're going to accept your resignation, sir. <laughs> oh, boy. Is there anybody buying the uh, official Chateau Picard wine? Oh, I didn't know about this. Do yes. Tell. Oh gosh, let me look. At, I just thought about that. It just crossed my mind. Um, they actually have a Chateau Picard vintage wine, and there is a licensed version. They're only making like fifty bottles, which I'm pretty sure that's already gone. And it was like five hundred bucks for it or something to the line. But I'll have to look it up. Uh, I guess we can talk about it at the end of the show too when I find the details of it. But you can Google it, and there is a website that you can buy them from, officially licensed, and it's supposedly be pretty top shelf stuff. Hmm, it's probably gonna be top wallet priced. Because <laughs> uh, I know probably. they had some Captain Kirk Bergman before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is pretty cool. I don't know if I'll be able to afford it, but pretty cool. <laughs> It'd be one of those collector wines that you don't actually drink; you just kind of put with your other Star Trek, you know. Memorabilia is like, yeah, this is, you know, no, if like, I'll, it's not going to be like those cans of surge you have sitting around from the night. <laughs> We're going to drink this stuff, man. All right. So for the interstellar price, a two bottle pack of the, in, from the inaugural collection of Chateau Picard is going at for a two bottle pack, $110. Mm. Yeah. I think that's going to be a hard pass, guys. <laughs> For more information, visit StarTrekWines.com. Really? They have a website? <laughs> Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's Use pretty. the code discussing Trek for no um, <laughs> for no discount <laughs> zero zero off your order. <laughs> All right, guys, we are finally ready to get in our review of Star Trek: The Next Generation episode Iborg. Um, the episode originally aired on May 9th, nineteen ninety two. The Enterprise finds a long Borg drone separated from the collective and brings him aboard. The drone begins to reassert his individuality, but his presence caused differing levels of fear and sympathy from various crew members. So, guys, we're going to go around the horn and just get the high level view of I Borg. And we'll start with the guy who has news for days, Jonathan. Well, welcome to WJA TV and Jonathan Trick News. No, <laughs> um, man. again, I, we're getting into some good Picard episodes here. We're kind of, I, I feel like we're going to one side of his persona to the other, and we're getting to experience like just a, a good round version of Picard. Um, but I tell you this. Watching this, which I guess because of when it come out, it wouldn't be this way. But right as of right now, it just feels very familiar and very, uh, I don't know. I don't want to get too far into it without spoilers. But yeah, good episode, though. Awesome. Awesome. Jeremy, what about you, man? Um, as a Borg fan, I really, really enjoyed this episode. Um, I kind of wish I saw this episode before I saw Voyager. <laughs> and their board storyline, but I, it was still a really good episode. Yeah, man, I, I totally get you on that, man. Because this, again, like we talk about so many of these episodes, it's like the precursors, like the, you know, it, it's so many of those things we see later on are are displayed here in this episode. So, uh, what about you, Kyle Jones? Right, what are so, your thoughts on this? So, episode? for me, this is one of those that I will say that I had co- completely, 100% forgot about. And I feel bad for forgetting it because it was great. I mean, the, the themes that they explored, the whole sit setup, it, it was, it was just great. I mean, I know we'll get into it further, but great is, the, <laughs> I know I keep saying it, but because I really think this was a great, great episode. Who forgets you? Kyle forgets you. You mean you? You? But I don't forget. You. But I don't forget Q. But you oh, forgot you. I'm feeling blue. Oh, oh no. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, my thoughts on the episode. <laughs> I I thought it. You know, a lot. A lot doesn't happen in this episode. It's pretty minimal on the plot in in you know, actual story here, but they hit some, I, I feel they hit some very um, important points as far as how you think of your enemy and things like that. And like, like you guys said already, we're going to get into all the details, but, but yeah, a very good episode. I very much enjoyed it. And it is very, um, I think important if you're going to be watching the Picard series, um, but we'll get into it. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. The Enterprise travels to an area considered for colonization, and they detect the transmission of unknown pattern on a small moon capable of supporting life. 
Oh man, I oh, mean, so they they detect this pattern as being an SOS because it's repeating. Riker and team head down to the moon for rescue. So my first question to you guys, um, regardless of the events of the episode, if you see a Borg in distress, what is the first thing you do? And I'm gonna start with Cal. Mm, good question. Very good question. So. You know, when you were saying that, my first inclination was get the hell out of there. <laughs> I mean, ser- I mean, but but seriously, that was my gut reaction was to get the hell out of there. But then I started thinking about the episode, and I think that's a very tough question because I'm still in survival mode, and I want to say get the hell out of there. But do but but is that the right thing to do? I hey, your point is definitely valid because. Borg, bad, enemy, run. It's kind of the same instinct I have. So what do you think about it, John? See, um, Borg, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's, it is a hard question to answer because it kind of depends on your state of mind. Like, in that time, like, in their position, when we're explorers and we're used to seeing strange, dangerous things and wanting to know more, I don't think I would have beamed down. You know what? Probably first reaction would have been launch a photon torpedo, like <laughs> like send the probe down, scan it for like five minutes, and then like torpedo it to hell and be on a because nothing ever come, nothing good ever comes from messing with yeah. the Borg. Yeah, well, th- they arrived on the planet. They didn't know it was Borg at first when they first arrived, so I will give them that. Why not? Yeah, yeah good. I thought the same thing. There was no Borg signature. Well, they never say anything about any kind of like Borg signature or anything. Why not? Because they were damaged. But the, okay, these scanners can pick up certain types of plants. <laughs> and you said speak, unknown. Yeah, like I'm sure they could have figured that there's some kind of biomechanical. Yeah. Yeah. But see, whatever was, uh, say, say, you always come up with a good explanation. Whatever was in that atmosphere that broke up, whatever they were traveling in cube or whatever was disrupting the scanners <laughs> from reading appropriately. That's why the, that the sensors were unknown or whatever. Possible. Plausible. Plausible. Uh, um, kill it with fire, then three to beam up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I think I think your circumstance dictates what your action is, because if I was going down there and I was a lone traveler by myself and I'm sitting here thinking of would I interact and all I have is a shuttle and myself, maybe not, because all of the quote unquote good that became of what happened later in the episode is the result of what they were able to do on the enterprise. So I think your circumstance plays a little bit into how you answer that question. Maybe, but this is your mortal enemy. Okay. I'll quit. (laughs) But, but, um, you know, we have to ask was, was Beverly just a bit too adamant on helping this board and, you know, the Hippocratic, Oath, whatever is that? That's right for doctors, right here. Yes. yes, yes. So, so she's she's duty bound to help someone in need. And if there's any philosophy, I think I'm going to adhere, adhere to. It's probably going to be what Worf said: "Kill it now." <laughs> Make it appear that it died in the crash and leave. <laughs> he was doesn't, not wrong, sir. He was not wrong. No, he was not. But doesn't it seem like like 
in most of these situations in in Star Trek, it's it's like the doctor is just like overly overly amplifying that Hippocratic oath. Like, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like beyond like Beverly. I know for a fact that she would have thought about killing this board. Hmm. Why do you say that? But I, I think I think they kind of played this up more just to set the tone of the story. You get what I'm saying? I don't know. I, I will say I think Beverly has been very consistent on that um, throughout her run because there's another episode where they beam down with this these two. I forget the name of the episode, but it's two people that having like civil war, you know, terrorism, and she like goes to help somebody and she gets captured. So I think she's been very consistent on her um, on her willingness to help somebody in need. So I was okay killing them when they had Picard. Yeah, see now, see I, I I've got to go with Clarence there. I think Beverly. I think you're getting confused with Doctor Pulaski from the second <laughs> season. She would have killed him, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but but Beverly wouldn't. Hmm. And, and if you want to go from the perspective of she would have with Picard, I think that was a little bit of human instinct in herself because of her relationship with Picard. Maybe her, some of her judgment was clouded by the fact of you're hurting someone that I know and, and have cared about. Good point. Good point. So so moving on just a bit, uh, I don't remember so I need one of you guys to enlighten me here. Is this the first encounter with the Borg since the best of both worlds? Does anybody know? I don't know on that. I'm throwing it out there. I don't remember. I think I it is, but I'm not, I'm just guessing. Yeah, I, I think it is as well as well. So if you're listening and you know, if this is the first encounter since the best of both worlds, please drop us a line at fans at discussing We thank you. So, <laughs> Picard's feeling on all of this because it seems like at first he's adamant not to let this Borg on the ship, but then he kind of relents pretty quickly. Do we think he had this grand scheme in his head from the moment he said, let the Borg on board? And when I say grand scheme, the plan he has to, um, you know, infect the Borg with this Trojan horse thing. Mm. Anybody? Mm, no, I don't think. I don't think he had that as a grand scheme. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. Hmm. I, I I think his in that moment he was having to make a decision between Worf saying kill it and Beverly saying save it. And yeah. I think he again we're seeing a little bit of Picard's decision making and moral compass in play. And I mean with the available information he had his best choice was to bring it aboard and save it. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel that as well, because I think that's very much in Picard's nature. But the fact that he immediately turns around and says, let's initiate this invasive program to cause total system failure. Uh, genocide. Is that the right thing uh, throughout the Borg um, race? Are they a race or are they a society? Whatever the Borg. Yeah. And, and I just feel like those are two polar opposite approaches. We're going to help him. I feel like if he brought the Borg on board at all, it seemed like he may have had a reason because I don't know. It just seems weird that he would bring him on board then say, oh, let's use him as a weapon. I don't know. See, I think well, it was a battle of both worlds with him. Like he's mad about the situation he was in, but 
like he he the real Picard, like his actual gut feeling was to save it. But once he transported aboard, like that, I'm pissed off. You assimilated me, took over, and yeah. Um, I don't know if he just. I don't think he had a plan whenever he said bring him on board, but he probably knew that you know, given enough time, they could figure out a way to use this to their to use this board to their advantage. And that's probably he was trying to stay just kind of, I guess, one step ahead of, you know, we've got it. Let's see what we can do with it. Yep. I'm kind of agreeing with you, Jeremy, in the fact of you get him on board. And if, let's say, the individual drone dies, you can at least dissect it and see, you know, what can you learn that might help you the next time you are encountering the Borg. So I'm kind of thinking that that may have been his original thought. So I'm agreeing with you. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think I, I think he, he was warring with both both sides because uh, I think the notion that he wanted to get back at the Borg was a very real notion. But as we'll talk about a little later, I think he did have a little bit of sympathy as, you know, the conversation he had with Guinan. So um, I want to just throw this back at you real quick. Like, what about the notion of genocide of the Borg? Are we okay with that? Is that something? Because, because Kyle, I know I'm discussing who we've talked many times about the decimation of the Daleks, etc. <laughs> is it right to decimate an enemy who has no civilians? They're all soldiers. You know, no innocent. They have women and children, but no innocent women and children. Supposedly, by Picard's words, they're all soldiers. Is it okay in that case? Hmm. Interesting. And honestly, I would take it with the Borg as maybe not, but I'm basing that on what we know from future episodes of Voyager of what is possible. But with your case of the Daleks, I think it is okay because they, they are creatures to themselves, whereas Borg assimilate other beings. But once they're assimilated, they're no longer, well, I, I, I do get your point is that they will we'll find out in, I guess, later episodes in Voyager that they can be, you know, reclaimed or, you know, I, 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 I think at this point we don't know that. So, I, hey, let, hey, let I me think we do know that kind of after this episode. Explain that they can be reclaimed like the individual. I mean, the only example we have of that really now is Picard being reclaimed, I would think. So well, did they not reclaim you? But did they? They did. Well, he went back voluntarily. Yeah, but the fact that he went back voluntarily says he was an individual. He was right. I mean, he was saying, "I am you. I do not want to go back, or I don't want you to be assimilated." I Borg. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was in fact separated from the collective. Other than they didn't take the hardware off of him. Mm. Yep. And, you know, if you look at the not trying to jump ahead here, but if you look at the closing of the episode, I still say Hugh is I Hugh, not Bork Hugh. Oh, yeah, that right. little side look. Yeah. Yeah. So but uh, I don't think I don't think the uh, I think we've have enough information now to go ahead with. I mean, I hate to say it like this, but I mean, I think we got enough information and enough reasoning to. Commit genocide. <laughs> I don't. I mean, that's uh, bad to say it that way, but I mean, we know now that there is no reasoning with the Borg. We've tried that just through just up until this point. I mean, Warf three five nine. I mean, we've tried everything we could. We've tried everything we could to defeat them. 
Yeah, so one of those I mean, is where if you don't kill all of them first, they will kill, kill you. Right. But but after this episode, we do feel differently about that, right? Is what we're saying? Or not? I'm we, trying we, to We start to to kind of doubt that mentality, but not enough to stop it. I'm still to the point of even at the end of Voyager, I would still be for because it I understand that there is there could possibly be life inside of each of these board drones. I understand that. But as a whole and as they are, there is not. Like so the difference. If you think about it, Voyager when we had uh what is it, species eight four eight four seven two. Eight four seven two, like that was worse than the board, but we found a way to compromise. We found a way to communicate, yeah. and we found a way to get. Out. But if you can't do that, you cannot communicate with the board. The best way we found to do that was through the board queen, and she would not fold, and she had to be destroyed. I just yeah. I don't. There is no there is no reasoning with them, and by that standard, it's either us or them. And I know that's probably the start of every <laughs> genocide, you know. Right. But, yeah. I mean, but but going hmm. with the mentality of I can change them, I can make them human again. You know, I think they said the average board cube had like thousands and thousands of uh of drones. The odds of finding the ones that you can bring back, you may not make it through the front door before you're assembled. Right. Yeah. I- <laughs> I mean, my opinion on the whole thing is that would it be nice to get rid of this threat that is very much a a a threat to the existence of the Federation? Yes. But I think at the point you see that they can be redeemed or they can be rescued or saved is the point where you have to second guess that. And we're going to get into it. And that's why in this episode, the humanization of the Borg is, is like a huge part of the whole thing. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about Guinan and the conversation she had with, with Picard as they fenced, as John liked in the trailer that we got for the Picard series. Um, you know, she's not too happy about the fact that, that Picard has brought a Borg on a ship and iterates the ramifications of said decision. Um, and, and probably when I think about it, she's probably the only one on the ship that probably hates the Borg more or as much as Picard when you really think about it. Um, man, but Guinan, oh my gosh, she gets it across in such a beautiful way. So, um, what do you guys think about her and her expression to Picard or how she got the point across oh, about love, Picard maybe feeling sorry for oh, the Borg? Oh, I love that. I, every time I see Whoopi Goldberg on this episode or any of these episodes, I'm like, yes, because this is one of the reasons that I loved Star Trek um, The Next Generation was because of the Guinan character. And once again, loved it. I, I, I love the fact that – she showed quote unquote weakness and that was her end to make him see her point. I, I just thought yeah. that was brilliant. Just beautiful, man. You can't, you can't ask for better writing than that, man. And well acted, just freaking beautiful. Uh, did you guys have any thoughts on that, Jonathan or uh, Jeremy? Um, I, I, I enjoyed the scene too. I mean, I, I'm not as familiar with Guinan as you are, but um, I mean, I thought it was, she, she was a point well made. Yeah. I, I, I do agree with that. I mean, that, again, beautiful writing and a very good point. And 
I mean, no one other than Guinan could make that point that way. But that being said, she was a lot more irrational than I would have ever expected Guinan to be. Well, yeah. I mean, and I understand why. I mean, I, I, I do. I 100 percent understand why. I mean, at this point, she agrees with us and she agrees with Worth. Like, kill it. Like, let's eradicate every one of them. Um, it just kind of shocked me that she was just like her. Her It was just point like dead point blank. Like, get it off the ship. There was no reasoning. There was no compromise. There was no what else. There was no. And that's kind of what you expect from God. And she's always the one to tell you, well, let's think about this first. Or are we sure? Is Do we do we consider all information? You know what I mean? But she was just dead on. Get it off the ship. But I understand why. And she did a great job in making Picard see her point of view. But it was still surprising for God and a little bit out of character. Well, I think it was somewhat similar to her reaction to seeing Q on the ship for the first time. Uh, she was pretty... Uh, irrational in her response. She was, you know, this is even though we don't, I don't think we know the well, I guess we know a lot about our story with Q but but even at that point it felt like she was a little off the hinges you know, so to speak. Yeah. So I, I, I do agree with you that this was a little bit out of her character, but I do still think that was a beautiful a beautiful way for her to um, kind of get her point across and again, like we said from time to time like she is the real counselor of the ship. <laughs> Listen, Troy walked in that ready room and I immediately cringed. Uh oh. Is there something you want to talk about? Like it's just Uh, see I see I I'm I'm going to disagree on both both points and I the the idea with Guinan being out of character, I'm going to take it the opposite direction. I think it was totally in character for her because we've got two examples of Things that she was, and I maybe passionate about is not the right word, but you know, uh, punched her buttons or you know, hit, hit a raw nerve or whatever. And regardless of how old she is or how wise that she is perceived to be, she's still a being that's just like anybody else. So I really think that was kind of in character for her. And as for Troy, I see her as more of a clinical counselor whereas with Guinan she's more of like a wizened person maybe you know she doesn't have the training but she's just a wise person or wise being that they come to I totally get that I mean she's like your granny you go talk to exactly (laughs) she knows everything she's been through it you know uh, versus you know somebody that's studied and you know has all these degrees i I do get that very much um and you know another reason this episode is very important iborg is that the borg in this episode is played by jonathan del arco who is confirmed to be a part of the star trek picard series which is going to be really cool so this story is going to play directly into that series some way. So I thought that is really, really freaking cool. But I want to ask you guys, like, what are your initial thoughts on Jordy's encounters? I won't just limit it to one of some of his encounters and some of the humanization that he goes through with third of five. Any, any thoughts on that whole encounter? It, it, to me, it seems like Jordy is always becoming friends with weird people or weird <laughs> beings. 
<laughs> Any so thoughts what, on him gravitating to this was guy? Reading Rainbow. Like, <laughs> I, it's just it's like that. He's always that guy. He's always that guy that says we all can be friends. <laughs> we all can get along. There is something, you know what I mean? Like you said, he's always friends with the weirdest people. Yeah. And I think it's always that, which is a great thing. Um, He's just that character. He's like that normal, earthy character that just kind of brings things back to a realistic perspective and just kind of puts a nice little reading rainbow spin on it. Yeah, I think he even says in the episode, I guess I'm just a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, to which you said you will be assimilated. And, uh, and I mean, what do you think about the, the point when he names the Borg? Did we see that as like just a horrible thing to do? I mean, Picard even mentions in the latter half of the episode about you know, uh, people naming lab rats. And he, you know, I felt the weird of him referring to the Borg as like, no, just test rats or whatever. I mean, why do you think Jordy goes and tries to name the Borg? And in, in my opinion, it may have been um, uh, uh, Dr. Crusher's influence that maybe pushed him that way a little bit. But what do you guys think? Clearly, he never grew up on a farm. Because, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, I, I didn't grow up on a farm, but I grew up near, you know, my family and all that. They said, you don't name the chickens because that's going to be supper one night. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, uh, you know, it's just, it, 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 and I kind of agree with Picard, you know, we don't know what we're going to do with him. And, and you get this attachment to him by giving him a name. It's going to be harder for you to let that, to let him go. Yeah. But I think it was a moment thing. Like, I don't think he intended on giving him a name, but I mean, at that moment they were interacting with him yeah. and they needed to know what to call him. And he, he said his designation and he asked their designation and they said, no, we don't have designations. We have a name. And they tried to explain that to him. And then he asked, do I have a name? So naturally, I mean, I mean, just in that situation, I think you end up giving him a name. I don't think it was meant to be permanently stuck. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna agree yeah. with Jonathan there. I, I think it was just circumstantial and it was like a natural progression of the conversation. Yeah. And 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 Cal, I want to throw this to you because I think this episode was a perfect per perfect perfect example of, you know, not really an injustice, but to see something moving toward the right direction and then it slowly take a domino f- effect through the ranks to get to the right person that can make that right decision. So like, what do you think of that progression of this starting with, 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 I guess you have to say it starts with Dr. Crusher and then Jordy's gets convinced and it goes on up the chain to Guinan and Guinan has the ear of, of Picard and it just keeps going up the chain till it gets to the person that can make the right decision to influence this in the right direction. I and mean, what do you think of that pro- progression? Ah, see, that's one of the things that I like about this episode because you, you're seeing, and it's almost like, and technically that he is a prisoner of war for all intents and purposes. And you're seeing the layers of the enemy and what you have surrounded your thinking of this enemy as being. And you're starting to see this not as the enemy, but as an individual. And you're seeing that instead of 
again, what your perceptions are. I, I think they were smart in their writing and they started with people who had no personal interactions with the Borg. And then you went to Guinan who had, you know, her race, her family, her, uh, society had been destroyed by the Borg. And then you end up with Picard having his interaction who has personally been attacked and violated by the Borg. So I, I, I think that progression in that matter just furthered what you're saying to get to the chain of command of where you need to go. I think you had two things going on at the same time in the way they represented that. And I think that was, again, one of the reasons why I think this is a great episode. Yeah. And, and I'm going to throw it to you, John and Jeremy, but, but I want to say real quick, I love, love, love the way Jordy flicking, uh, freaking flipped the script on Guinan. Oh yeah. That was awesome. (laughs) He just threw it around back, her back in her face and she, you go talk to him. You're good at listening. He just threw it right back at her. It's like I'm the like, one time you'll ever see Guinan put in her place like that. <laughs> yes. Which kind of furthers my subject saying is she was way out of character. Like she was caught off guard by that. Yeah. I mean, she obviously had a very emotional attachment to seeing a Borg in, in such close proximity to the Borg, which, you know, if we look at our human history, you know, if you were in close confines with a mortal enemy that has done an injustice to your people, you would probably feel the same way, you know? So it's not too out of line, but I agree that it's kind of different for a character. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I don't, I find it very interesting though, that I don't think, and I'll ask you guys this question. If, if this situation or this problem had been present, presented to Picard by anybody else, it would not have turned out the same way. Hmm. Like, because Guinan was the one to talk to him, I don't think anybody else would have convinced him otherwise. Hmm. Like, if it actually followed the actual chain of command, I don't think it would have happened that way. I think Picard would have followed through with his plan. And I'm going to agree with you on that. Interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm pondering it for a second. Because just the way that Jordy put Guinan in her place... She put Picard in his place for the second time this episode. Yeah. See, but let, let, let me throw this in real quick. I, I think that's where my idea of you had these two parallel things going on. You had the emotional and the structure going on simultaneously. I think those two just intertwine. But I, I agree with what Jonathan said. I don't think Riker could have convinced him as she did. Hmm. You know what? I think you guys are right. But I preface that with if Picard would have ever went down there to talk to uh, Hugh, he may have been convinced by Hugh. I I do believe that in some sense that if he had that chance to talk to him, he may have may have been changed. But by the same token, like you said, Guinan, he trusts her so much. And he like I like I said before, he she has his ear, you know, and she can persuade him. And, and yeah, I, I wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she she really was the one that persuaded him to talk to him. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody else would have got him to talk to him. <sighs> yeah, she persuades Picard to look into the, the eye of his enemy. <laughs> oh, Picard says one thing. I, I couldn't believe he said this. He said, it is what it is. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could believe Patrick Stewart were saying that phrase that's been bandied about, you know, recklessly in recent times. Um but I, I want to ask you, Jeremy, uh, you hadn't spoken in a while. Let me throw this to you, sir. What about Picard addressing Hugh as Lacutus of Borg? What did you think about that? Um, I thought it was probably the only way he could do it. I don't think he could do it as Picard. I think he had to. I think it was I think it was probably the right way to do it. I just don't think he could have done it as Picard. Do you think he planned it? No. I don't you think, think it was a spur of the moment. I, I, I think it was completely subconscious. <laughs> mm, yeah, I agree. <laughs> because I it agree. was, it was probably the only way he could cope with actually being face to face with somebody with part of the civilization that tried to make him one of their own. Yeah, though, though I don't like the fact that it felt like he was trying to trick trick you, but I do think that once he was actually in front of him. And I think I forget the way that Hugh addressed him at first. Lecutus. But he instantly, yeah, yeah, did he addressed him as Lucutus? Yes, yeah, he instantly snapped back into that mode, and you know, he wasn't evil, but he was definitely seemed like he was in a he just cadence changed totally at that moment, see, which I, I love. Did. See, and I, he snapped back, and all he, like all of his responses to Hugh were like snapback remarks, exactly how the Borg would have answered it. Yeah. And see, you know, I said at the very beginning that I forgot this episode, and but as I was watching it, I had a sense of deja vu, and the deja vu that I felt was right at this point. I remembered thinking, "Oh crap, was was he not really Picard? You know, was he still Locutus?" I had yeah. that thought. So I think who they were trying to trick was not Hugh, but the audience at that point. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. I don't say I was per se tricked i knew it was still picard but what uh, it did kind of worry me that may like so the thought crossed my mind like it's a possibility they could still get to picard again though though if you go back a couple of scenes and you go to the scene where uh picard and guinan are in picard's quarters and he has a moment similar to what he has on first in first contact where he kind of rages a little bit and he was like no <laughs> this is a freaking borg you know no sympathy you know so i don't know man it's so many uh, emotional ties getting pulled in different directions in this scene is man and and and, and you gotta give, give Hugh credit because q is adamant about his individuality here yeah he was. resistance is not futile you know don't hurt jordy he's my friend <laughs> <laughs> so can i pose a question yeah what's you got? why do you think he brought him to his ready room instead of going down to talk to him in the cell i don't know home field i don't advantage. know what'd you say jeremy sitting home, home field advantage yeah maybe hmm. maybe i saw it more as perception i didn't think that he wanted <clears throat> the rank and file to see that he was going to meet with the borg Ah, good point, yeah. Kyle. I guess to kind of go along with the play he's employing, that he's still Lacutus. So, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, good point. And, man, you have to give this, I mean, this is another great Picard moment where he gives this, this monologue about um, the individuality. And um, in, in, the, in the ready room there with the rest of the crew, where the whole thing just flips in. 
it becomes that his individuality can be the virus. The virus is, you know, is not what this thing we're trying to implant inside of him, but maybe this one moment of uh, individuality that's spread across the board could be enough to change him. And I love the symbolism in that, of that, that is gone from being this real virus. We're trying to insert inside of this guy to infect his people. And if we think about real life as much like, you know, uh, American influences on other countries where maybe um, the sense of us doing things just a little bit differently can be enough to influence a, a, a terrorist society or whatever um, into moving toward the right direction. Now, I love how it just flips in this episode. Um, your your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. It was a, uh, I mean, that, that was such a philosophical discussion across the board that they were having there. And, you know, we go from Crusher being like, man, what what is wrong with you in the beginning? Like, she's just very, like, almost to the point, I won't say, you're just stupid, kill it. <laughs> to, like, at the end, in this discussion, she's probably the most valid point made. Like, we need to consider, does he want to go back? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if we're talking about individuality and whether or not it'll spread to the board. How can we push individuality if we're still going to force him to do what we want him to do and not give him a choice. Yeah. You're, you're now bound by your own laws or your own way of thinking. Right. Which you is know. by definition, your individuality is you have a choice to decide your yes. life. Yes. Yes. I mean, a, a conundrum that, that people have with Christianity is that we have an all powerful being or God that can do anything he wants Yet he wants to give us our freedom to choose, you know, uh, right. follow him willingly. And that, that that's just kind of the thing we have here of, you know, we're going to give you a choice to do what you want. Now, um, we can't tell you to do this because because we're going against everything we're, we're saying here. You know, We're going against the philosophy of our people. We're going to tell you exactly what to do. So I just think that's wonderful. And we have other examples in Star Trek. Um, think of the episode where they rescued the human boy that was living with the alien society. I forget the name of the episode. And they kind of give him a choice after finding out more about the culture that he came from. Right. And like if if and, and it's a similar it's actually a very similar plot because they uh, they give him more information about how humans operate in about their individuality and and you have to kind of adhere to those same principles by giving that subject or that individual a choice at the end to to do what he wants to do you know and i don't know it's just just good stuff all around man but you know i, I said at the beginning of the episode that it's just kind of familiar familiarity to this plot that which at this time if we're watching tng and when this aired, we wouldn't have it. But going like watching it now, I'm just going back to all of those times. Like, like there's been every time we have like a key component to defeating an enemy, and we don't take it because yeah of yeah. a moral decision. I mean, in DS9, you had two. We had a Jim Hadar, a kid Jim Hadar that grew up. We could have studied him and figured out how to defeat him. I mean, same thing with the uh, Vorta in that. I think when we go to uh, Voyager, had a couple of instances with a Borg. Yeah. Well, you know, I, many times and we end up letting it go because, I mean, morally, we're human. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, very, very similar situation in, in the Voyager where instead of them in, infecting a Borg, I think they infected themselves and got assimilated, if I remember correctly. Yep. There was that one. And there was also an episode that this kind of parallels called Drone, where the doctor's mobile emitter merges with seven nine's nanobots and makes a new Borg. Oh, yeah, that was cool, too. Who's, you know, ultimately sacrifices himself for the better of the crew. Yeah, and, and just this individuality that we that's explored here, man. All the goodness we get from seeing Seven and Nine on Voyager, you know, it feels like this is you can you can watch this episode and go straight into you know her episodes in Voyager and be, you know, just filled with all these these things that came right before, which I thought are just fantastic. You um, know, I would be curious to know how much this episode impacted or influenced her eventual story on Voyager. Oh, a lot. it had to a lot because it's basically the same story as if they oh, keep yeah. her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, it's just beautiful. And, you know, once we talk about this going into Picard that's coming up early next year, I mean, we know that 7 to 9 is going to be on it. We know that Hugh is going to be on it. And we know it's going to be a Borg slash Rumbling heavy series so man i I just think this episode is going is is required watching (laughs) if you're going to be be watching that series when it comes out man and and just like a a a required borg episode period um yeah yeah and i remember seeing this one before but this is the first time i've seen it in quite a while so just just good stuff all around and i think we also should get into some seven of nine episodes here in the future oh yeah, because that I think that's going to be a very important part of the story of Picard at Seven of Nine, and we it'd be good to get into some of that. And you know, we also have another Borg on Earth that we brought back, which is Egypt. Yep, yep. And, and I hadn't heard twin. anything. Was huh? it the twins? Egypt and the the girl was it some. It's like four of them, yeah, wasn't it? It, 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 was, it was three of them, but it, it was it was four was total. It, it was four total, but three of them found in. Found a home right. with their with their people. That's right. That's right. And so each of them never did. One left. Yeah, he came back with Voyager. Yeah, it would be awesome to get some beach up in Picard too. That would now, be great. He, now he was in that Star Trek Renegades. Egypt, yes, he which was. I know is not, which I know is not canon, but apparently they replaced his arm with like a some kind of weapon, and he was very bitter about everything. Um, so yeah. now you know Egypt is a follower of our podcast. So yeah. maybe he'll be nice enough to <laughs> drop us a line and kind of let us know if we'll see him here too. I yeah, think that, that would be an incredible experience to have <laughs> him on the show. That would be freaking awesome. That would be freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure our other listeners would enjoy that as well. Awesome. So, so guys, uh, I think we pretty much covered the gamut. So I'm going to go around and just say, well, just in total, anybody have any questions or comments? Um, any other thing you want to highlight about this episode? Uh, yes, and I'm sure Kyle is burning to say it. I'm gonna beat him to it. Uh-oh. Uh, we Kyle mentioned it earlier. You know, after we so supposedly Hugh would lose if he was reassimilated, he would lose all of his memories. And they, he made it a point to say when he left Picard, he said, "I'll, I hopefully I'll remember you." He said the same thing to Jordy on the planet. And then the board gets there and they like connect to him and do their thing. And right before he beams out, he kind of turns to Jordy and kind of looks 
And Kyle, if I'm not mistaken, was it somewhat sort of agreeing? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're a hundred percent right. Cause that, Interesting. that to me was the, it was one of those things where if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't have seen it because it was uh, that quick, but it was quick enough to where if you did pay attention and you caught it, it was like, because they purposely let him walk around with the Borg other two drones like he would been reassimilated, so to speak. And then to have that individuality at the end. So you're, yeah, you're spot on there. Yeah. And, and when you think about what Picard actually said, maybe this thought, this sense of individuality will permeate. It might take a long time. You know, it's kind of what he said. So <laughs> we might be seeing the result of that. Um, and then the upcoming series as well. Also not too dissimilar from what, uh, Captain Pike did to Giorgio in Discovery this past season. Very true. Very true. You, you know what would be really, 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 really freaking awesome is if in the Picard series, if the character of you and Seven of Nine meet up and she makes some reference to the first time I felt uh, the individuality was from you. Interesting. That would oh my be so God. cool. That would be <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> wow. Cal didn't beat. Would, would that not be that. cool? That would be freaking cool. <sighs> Young Annika. Is it Annika? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Anyway, uh guys, we're ready to wrap this up and go around a horn and see what everybody has been working on, podcast related or otherwise. And we'll start with you, Jonathan. What's you working on, man? Absolutely nothing, man. Nothing. I got to get busy doing something. Yeah, All man. I do is work. Make great stuff. Watch great stuff. Do great yeah. stuff. <laughs> Not much to watch out either. I'm still reading that book, though. I, I mentioned on the last podcast, The Homo Dios. Yeah. And I'm halfway through it. And it's some pretty good stuff in there, man. Uh, like, if you're a Trek fan, you would love this book. It has awesome. nothing to do with sci-fi. It's explaining all about human nature and where we've been and where we're going uh, and where we could be. Uh, and it, it like his explanations even further proves that trick timeline is possible. Awesome sauce. And is that, again, Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow? Yes. Bell, Nora, or something? Yeah, don't try that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Harari. Okay. Uh, Jonathan, what have you been working on? I mean, oh, God. Jeremy, what have you been working on? Changing um, his name. Well, yeah, I'm just, just going to give it up. Um, well, as I just said a moment ago, I'm reading this book, apparently. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I, I, I just work. I've got, I've got, I'm such a sad, boring individual. I go home, I play video games, and I just watch TV and sleep. What video games are you playing? The only video game I ever played, World of Warcraft, because huh? I'm... I, okay, you have to understand, when I was playing actual like console video games, when I stopped playing, they had like three buttons <laughs> and like two little top toggles. And then I went to college and I came back, there was buttons and levers and switches and just... <laughs> I mean, just things everywhere, and, and I just couldn't comprehend that. Ah. So I just buttons on a computer. I get it. I get it. I get you it. Go from fifteen buttons to twenty six QWERTY. Yeah, keyboard. but okay, but I know that I can type <laughs> with these buttons as well. 
I don't know what R set R three or you know left toggle and all that. You know, I don't have to worry about any of that. There's a new Call of Duty out. I would love to play, but I don't have time. Actually, hers is really good. We have to get what our our codes carry for that. It's a first person shooter. I'll pass. All right, and uh, Cal Jones, man, what are you working on, podcasts later or otherwise? You know, I since I've already did a shameless plug earlier in the episode, I will recommend perhaps the Relativity Podcast. It is a sci-fi serial set in space, obviously, and it is in its fifth and final season. So look forward to hearing more about that. It can be found at Relativity podcast.com it also i should say stars lee shackleford along with clarence brown yeah yeah and i will iterate go check out the relativity podcast at relativitypodcast.com a sci-fi series for your ears and mind where man it's uh, man we have what the last season here and man just jump in and 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 if you like star trek I'm pretty sure you're going to like this, too. It's about space and stuff and yep. relationships and all of that. And, and it's really, you, really easy to listen to because there are only about 15, 20 minutes usual for the episodes each. So quick listen. You listen to them on your way to work, on your way home, working out yeah. whenever. Yeah, do that. Subscribe and, and tell, tell them our discussion tricks sent you. Yeah. So, guys, uh, once again, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you joining us for this ride of these of these reviews discussing the Picard series. And again, like if you want to go ahead and get ready for the next episode, go catch up on season six, episode 15 tapestry. We're going to be reviewing that coming up. And um, if you have any feedback or comments, hit us up at discussing Trek on all the all of the social medias. Also, send in fan mail at fans at discussingtrek.com. We'd really appreciate it. Guys, thank you for joining us. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people, a woman on Earth and a man in space, struggling to remain connected, to help one another through life and death situations. Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos is the sound of each other's voices. Find out more at RelativityPodcast.com. What is Wi-Fi Sci-Fi? It's Girl in Space. Tales of Sage and Savant. The Ninth World Journal. 
Oz9. Moonbase Theta, out. It's terrible. Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. What is Wi-Fi Sci-Fi? Find out at Wi-Fi Sci-Fi dot O-R-G. Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. Discussing at work.